0: Welcome back. You are listening to that one sports podcast. I am your host, Mitch Wilson. Got a great show for you today, baby, baby. We're going to talk about flag football. It's now in the Olympics. 2028 in LA. We got some people's favorite holiday coming up. Halloween. Favorite candies, costumes, all all things Halloween. Also, we're going to be talking about should the Brotherly Shove, a.k.a. the Tush Push, be banned in the NFL? And as always, we will recap Mizzou versus South Carolina and also recap Week 7 of the NFL. So let's go! Alright. When I heard this, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even believe that it was actually being talked about. That the Olympic Committee has decided have this voted in flag football into the olympics so first off is the A should be winning every gold medal in this category forever especially well let me take that back they should be winning the gold medal every four years for this sport is if they have the right people in place if you have the right coach and if you have former nfl players that are going into this playing flag football aka guys like you know, Tyree Kill. I mean, because who in the world is going to be able to cover that man? If you have guys like that who are want to do this and play for the USFA, the the US the US of A should absolutely dominate because football is an American sport. So we should absolutely dominate. And if we don't dominate, especially with with former NFL players, and you know that would actually just really suck to be honest with you, but. I'm excited to see hopefully the right guys out there for the USA that should absolutely dominate this sport, period. Because I don't know if you guys know, but Tyreek Hill has already put the tweet out talking about LA 2028 flag football. So, I mean, I think he's in. So if if you get former NFL guys like that, I think it's going to be an absolute lock for the USA to take the one in the Olympics, and like what man? Like I tell you what, if flag football get in, it's only a matter of time before pickleball gets in. Pickleball is the fastest growing sport in America. I don't, I don't know how it's doing all over the world, but if flag football is getting in, I would be shocked if after some time pickleball did not get in. USA should dominate flag football in the Olympics in twenty twenty eight in L A. Man, I tell you what, we got a holiday coming up, Halloween, man. And from social media, I can say that it seems like a very popular costume this year for couples is going as, as Travis and Taylor. So if you want to go as Travis and Taylor, probably got to have the Kelsey jersey, got to have the stash. And I guess if you're going to go as Taylor, you got to have the bright red lipstick and maybe like a purple dress or something like that. I think it's just absolutely crazy how fast and how this thing is just getting just crazy with with Travis and Taylor. I mean, they've probably been together only, you know, a couple months and people are going as them as Halloween. Like, how crazy is that? But, dude, Halloween is, is always a fun holiday, especially for the kids, you know, going to trick or treat, getting... You know, getting to get dressed up, getting to, you know, scare your friends. But I'll tell you this. As a kid, there's something when it comes to Halloween that you never forget. At least for me, I never forgot. Is when you would go trick-or-treating and you would come upon a house. And that house was giving out full-size candy bars. That was... That just, like... Made your night. Not only did it make your night, you would be telling everyone that you saw, hey, that one house over there, full size candy bars. And then you would see other kids just run to that house. And not only did that make your night, but the next year you went trick or treating for Halloween, you made sure to go back to that house that gave out the full size candy bars. Because those people are hundred percent the best, giving out full size candy bars on Halloween. I tell you what, though, growing up as a kid, uh, loved to trick or treat. Did not like haunted houses. uh, Still don't like haunted houses, but I do need to get over my fear, so I will probably be going to one very soon just to conquer that. But uh, I think Halloween. For some reason, a distinct memory I have: I was like in elementary school with. I have two sisters and my mom. We were uh, uh, trick-or-treating at the hospital. And so because we went up there, the high school drama department in the town was putting on a haunted house in the cafeteria of the hospital. And so my mom asked if we want to go. We were like, sure. One of the worst mistakes ever made. I was scared so bad. Like We got about about three-fourths of the way through that thing. And me my two twin sisters... And my mom and like we're all just literally hanging on to my mom, just absolutely just you know crying to the point toward to the guy at the it towards the end of it, like saw what was happening. Probably a high school kid. Um, sees this single mom with you know three kids draped around her, just crying, and pretty much motions to the, the like the last couple rooms to like n- to like cut it off. And, you know, we get out of the haunted house and, you know, we get out and we're trying to wipe our tears real fast. But, yeah, for some reason, not a fan of haunted houses, but I will conquer my fear of haunted houses. Going back to trick-or-treating, I know for me, personal favorite candy on Halloween, Snickers, Twix, Milky Way were definitely my top three. Big Snickers guy. Love me some Twix. But getting those on, on, on Halloween was always really good. And I'll tell you what, and it might just me be me, but if you're the type of person that's just going to hand out apples and oranges for Halloween, just don't hand out anything. Because as a kid, that is the absolute worst to go up to a house and they're giving out apples and oranges. If I wanted an apple and an orange, I'd get one from my mom, okay? I'm not going to a trick-or-treat house for an apple and an orange. So if you plan on giving fruit out or something like that, please just don't even bother. Keep your light off and let the kids go past your house and not be disappointed on Halloween. All right, Halloween, great holiday. Hope hope everyone has a great time trick-or-treating and go to the haunted houses, whatever you do on Halloween. Hope you have a great time doing it, except don't be the house that hands out apples and oranges. It's ridiculous. It's Halloween. All right, switching gears to the NFL. Should the, brotherly, should the brotherly shove, a.k.a. the Tush Push, be banned? This is a very interesting question. And the reason why I say that is just because this play has been in football forever. Like, this play has been going on for probably almost the whole... The as long as football has been around, like the quarterback sneak has been a a play that's been ran. However, now I think the reason why people want it banned is because you have a team in the Philadelphia Eagles that has a very good offensive line, arguably probably one of the best in the NFL, and then you also have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Who squats over five hundred pounds? So they basically have the perfect guys to run this play and to convert. So now because they can be dominant at something you wanted, you want to ban it, which I don't understand because it would be different if all of a sudden the last two or three years this play just became a thing. But this play has been this play has been used in football forever, and so. Just because now you have a team that essentially looks like it has the perfect pieces to execute this play at a very high level, which I mean, they pretty much it it, it's almost guaranteed for the Philadelphia Eagles if they have fourth and one. I mean, they're they're going to get it. I mean, even last week they had they had uh fourth and one at like their own like I think like twenty six or thirty, and they went for it and they got it. So I think that you can't ban you can't ban the brotherly shove, aka the tush push. Just because you have a team that is absolutely elite at it, it's not like it's a new play. It's not like you know th- this play was just come up with in the last like you know three, four, five years. It's a play that has been around forever in football. It just so happens that the Philadelphia Eagles have the perfect personnel to execute it at a very, very high level. Some would say they executed at over ninety-two percent. <laughs> All uh, right, now. So I think that the brotherly shove, aka the tush push, should not be banned because it's been a play that's been in football for a long time, and just because a team, just because a team is dominant at it, people just want to take it away to make. And if that's the case, you just have to figure out a way to not to not let them get the first down. Now I know that's probably almost impossible, but they just, but you can't blame them for having the the perfect personnel to execute a play at the highest level because to me that's football and that's using a play and and your player skill set to your team's advantage and because of that the tush push, aka the brother the brotherly shove should absolutely not be banned and I mean not only that like a a, a perfect how many times in football does a running back get the handoff runs about two three yards and then and it gets sold and all of a sudden he's got two or three linemen pushing him forward and then he get like he gains another three to four to five yards and falls forward. It's the same thing. It's the same thing like Travis Kelsey against the Chargers catches the ball at like the two or one and a half. Okay, what happens? He gets pushed into the end zone by his offensive lineman. It's just it's just a play that is a part of the game. It's a play. That's a part of the game. And a play that just happens. So hate is gonna hate. Don't be mad at Philadelphia. Not say that because, and and I and I can't say this because, even as a Chiefs fan. In the Super Bowl last year, when when the Chiefs put the Philadelphia Eagles, and they had fourth and one, like, it was so frustrating because I knew that there was nothing to do that the Chiefs could do to stop them. On third and one or fourth and one, because of the uh, of that play, but it's just something that you just have to live with. Teams should not be penalized for being elite at something that they can do because of the personnel that they have on their team. Plain and simple. Next, please. We're gonna switch gears. We're going to college football, and my team, M I Z Z O U. Mizzou Tigers get the job done against South Carolina Gamecocks. This game was a game that went exactly how I thought that it should, and probably quite frankly, a game that was what everyone expected it to be. But I will say, as a Missouri fan, this game did scare me just because of the simple fact that because, because I am a Mizzou fan. You know, games like this scared me. You know, you you know, you're ranked in the top twenty five, and you're playing a team that's two and four. That that game scares me because in past, I feel like games like this were games that somehow were way closer than what they needed to be, or somehow sometimes the 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 tigers would figure out a way to lose this game. However, it was homecoming, and the Mizzou Tigers take care of Binz's. They get the win, thirty four to twelve. Defense was dominant. Offense. Was rolling Brady Cook. He only has two hundred yards and a touchdown, but the Tigers absolutely terrorize South Carolina on the ground. Cody Trader goes twenty six carries for one hundred and fifty nine yards and two touchdowns. And then you also had Brady Cook. They ran. They ran the ball nine times for sixty four yards. Luther Burden had a, a couple carries for for ten yards. And so, I mean, the Tigers dominated South Carolina on the ground. Also, Luther Burden does what Luther Burden does through the air. He he grabs four four balls for 90 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown was a 42-yard touchdown pass from Brady Cook. Um, just all around, the Tigers look really good in this game, as they should. Um, they, they are on a bye this week, but have an absolute huge game. Next Saturday against Georgia at Georgia. So, I mean, you're talking about a situation to where Missouri is now 7-1 and they have four games left on their schedule. So, if somehow, some way, Mizzou can somehow beat Georgia and give Georgia their first loss of the year, you're looking at the Tigers propelling themselves into into possibly making the college football playoff. So this is a big week to prepare and to rest for Mizzou because they have it they have the most important they have the most important game of Eli Drinkwood's career coming up next Saturday at Georgia. So and also um I'm going to try to have a bonus episode next week um, and the episode is just going to be all things Mizzou, talking about the the football team and also previewing uh, the 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 basketball team as well. So I will be putting, uh, hopefully, we'll be putting that out next week, and and I really think that is going to be a good episode. So please stay tuned if you, especially if you're a local fan, a Mizzou fan, I should be having a bonus episode next week. Tigers take care of business 34-12 against the South Carolina Gamecocks. All right, now going to the NFL Week week 7 recap of the NFL. And you know who we got to start with? We're starting with the Kansas City Chiefs get the win over the Los Angeles Chargers 31-17. Patrick Mahomes went absolutely bananas in this game. Patrick Mahomes had over 300 yards passing in in the first half, so I honestly thought that there was a chance that he was going to break the record. I think the record's like 5. I think maybe like 550. I was thinking, man, he's got a shot. He didn't break the record, but he... However, Patrick Mahomes did end the day with 424 yards passing, four touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, let me tell you what. Taylor... Need to keep showing up to the games because Travis Kelsey went for twelve catches, a hundred and seventy nine yards, and a touchdown. I mean, this game was very back and forth through the first half of the game. Uh, the the especially the second quarter, the first quarter. I think after the first quarter, it was tied at th- at three all, and then in the second quarter was the explosion. I think there there were. Three or four touchdowns scored back to back to back each team's, but I tell you what, the Chiefs' defense is absolutely showing up. They they basically have been carrying the team all year, but man, they gave up the seventeen points in the first half, and they gave up zero in the second half. It was it was great to get Charles Emenyhu back because he had a huge impact in the game. He's got he had two sacks and maybe even more important than that he had a deflection he had a batted ball in the red zone that popped the ball up and we were able to uh, in in end up inter intercepting Justin Herbert in the red zone to keep points off of the board for the Chargers man the Chargers fall the 2 and 4 Justin Herbert not a good day 259 yards one touchdown he throws two picks uh, J- Joshua Palmer however did have a good day as as a receiver for the Chargers, he he grabs five five catches for a hundred and thirty three yards. But I will say this: Justin Herbert just got paid two hundred and fifty some odd million dollars. Okay, people always want to talk about how he's got he's got the prototype body, he's got the arm, he's got everything. Okay, well he can't have all that. And I saw speak this week with James Jones. I'm sorry. James Jones, in my opinion, does not have a good take at all. He wants to put the blame on the defense. Well, they're 31st ranked in this, blah, 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 that. Yeah, okay, I get that. But at the end of the day, in the majority of the in, in the in the majority of the San Diego Charger losses, Justin Herbert has had the ball in his hands at the end of the game to win it. And he can't get the job done. When a $250 million quarterback has the ball in his hands at the end of the game, he is expected to go and score because he is that dude. Because at that point, defense ain't playing for the offense, James Jones. It's Justin Herbert. That misses throws that he should not be missing. A great example of this, Patrick Mahomes first year as a starter. He had the worst defense in the NFL. What did Patrick Mahomes do? Patrick Mahomes went to an AFC AFC championship game. Patrick Mahomes consistently scored over 30 points a game. You want to know why? Because he's Mr. Clutch and he knew that he couldn't make those mistakes because he knew the defense was giving up almost 30 points. So Patrick Mahomes had to go get more than 30. I'm sorry, there the you cannot put the majority of the blame on the Chargers defense. It is on Justin Herbert cuz when you have the ball at the end of the game and you can't go score, that's on the quarterback, okay? Cuz at the end of the day, quarterbacks are not judged by how many yards they throw for, and all, and and all those stats? Yes, he's got great stats. Most passing yards, first three years in the league. Most touchdowns. Blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, quarterbacks are judged by wins and losses. You can have all the stats in the world, but no wins. The stats don't mean a dang thing. That's why. That's why Dan Marino will never be considered. One of the elite quarterbacks, you wonder why because he didn't win a championship. Justin Herbert. And not only that, Justin Herbert doesn't even have a winning record in as a starter. He's below five hundred, Mr. James Jones. So yeah, it's nice to have all these stats, but if you don't have wins, stats don't mean a dang thing. And that's all I got to say about that. Moving on. Who's next on who's next on the docket? Jags get the win over the New Orleans Saints, 31-24. I tell you what, I am really hoping sometime this year that Trevor Lawrence really takes that next steps, that next step, and really starts putting up numbers. I mean, he's getting the job done and wins the losses, so um, he's he's good there. And the only reason why I'm saying that is because he's on my fantasy team. I really need, I really need him to, to, to score more, more points than consistently just scored eighteen to twenty every week. However, I'd really love a, you know, thirty point performance. Sometimes that would be awesome. But Jags continue to roll. They're five and two now. The Saints fall to three and four. Jacksonville is now leading the division and they are definitely the front runners to take that division. Uh Christian Kirk has six catches for ninety yards and a touchdown. I will say even though New Orleans uh, New Orleans lost Alvin Kamara was Really good in this game. It's it's really good for the Saints to have him back. That's probably why this game was as close as it was. Because Alvin Kamara has 62, 62 yards rushing, but also has 91 yards receiving. He is an absolute beast. But Jaguars get the win, 31-24 over the Saints. Falcons get the win over the Buccaneers. Tell you what, that boy Desmond Ritter. Getting it done over the Bucks. That was a huge game for them because that was a divisional game. Desmond Ritter goes for two hundred fifty yards, doesn't turn the ball over. Tyler Algier runs for fifty nine yards. Drake London grabs six balls for fifty four yards. It looks like the Atlanta Falcons kicker it was the was the guy for the Falcons because the Falcons only scored one touchdown. And he hit one, two, three field goals. Three field goals was the difference after the one touchdown from the from the Falcons. So Falcons get the win over the Buccaneers sixteen to thirteen. Bears get the win over the Raiders thirty to twelve. Ironically, without Justin Fields, Chicago Bears figure out a way to dismantle the Las Vegas Raiders, which is always a good thing for for the Chiefs because they they are in, in our division. The Raiders are so the Bears get the win over the Raiders, thirty to twelve. Even though the Chicago Bears were out their starting quarterback, they still get the job done. Uh, uh, Deontay Foreman carries the ball sixteen times for eighty nine yards and two touchdowns. DJ Moore eight catches for fifty four yards. And big ups to, to Tyson Bagnett for coming in for Justin Fields and getting the job done and not turning the ball over. And just, man, I'll tell you what, Josh Jacobs only gets, only gets 30, 35 yard rushing. Devontae Adams, seven catches for 57 yards. And what is going on with the Raiders? Well, probably because they had Brian Hoyer as their starting quarterback. That's, that's the issue right there. Browns get the one-point victory over the Colts. There were a lot. There were two calls in this game that are absolutely horrendous by the officials, and that and Jimmer has already come out saying that he received a letter from the league saying that there were two calls late in that game that should have that went against the Colts that should have not won that should have not won against the Colts. Which I'm sorry, like NFL refs, you have to be better. You absolutely have to be better because you're you being bad at your job. Just cost in Indianapolis Colts a dub, and it's absolutely ridiculous. So the Browns get the win over the Colts, thirty nine to thirty eight. What an exciting game this was! Back and forth, back and forth. It just sucks that the refs had to had to be in it as much as they were, especially at the end of the game, because this is the last thing, especially in, in in a game that's been so back and forth, back and forth. The last thing you want is the is the ref. To make a horrible call. Now I will say, if if it was the right call, then it's the right call, and that's football. But if he gets it wrong, that's not good, because the last thing the NFL wants is for us to be talking about the refs at the at the end of a game. So Browns do get the win. Browns do get the win over the Colts, thirty nine to thirty eight. The Browns move to four and two, and the Colts drop to three and four. Giants get the win over the Commanders fourteen to seven. Not a lot, not a lot to talk about in that game. Ravens absolutely destroy the Lions, which I don't think anybody saw coming at this point. Lamar Jackson was absolutely fantastic. He throws for three hundred fifty-seven yards and three touchdowns. Gus Edwards has one catch for eighty yards. Also, Gus, Ed- Gus Edwards runs for sixty-four yards. And a touchdown. This was pretty much shocked everybody because everyone thought this was going to be a really good game. But the Baltimore Ravens just flat out owned the Detroit Lions. So I don't know if, if the if the Detroit Lions stayed up too late the night before or whatever it was, but they need to get they need to get it figured out because they were just flat out absolutely embarrassed by the ravens so the ravens move to five and two and the and the detroit Lions fall to five and two patriots get the win over the buffalo bills 29 25 this is exactly what bill belichick needed to hopefully maybe turn his season around to get the win over the buffalo bills Uh josh allen you know 265 yards two touchdowns one pick he was he was just very average. Mac Jones had had a really good day for him. He was 25 of 30 for 272 yards and two touchdowns. And I tell you what, the Buffalo Bills now fall to 4 and 3. The New England Patriots move up to 2 and 5. Tell you what, the the division that Buffalo is in with with Miami and the Jets, with with Miami being the leader of that division, if they if they don't want to have to – if they want to play as many home games in the playoffs as possible, they cannot afford to be to losing to teams like the Patriots. But at the end of the day, it's a divisional game. Divisional games are very tough no matter how good, how bad the, the teams are. Divisional games are most of the time always close just because the opponents are so familiar with, with each other because they play each other two times a year. Cardinals – Lose to the Seahawks ten to twenty, the Seahawks improved to four and two. Arizona Cardinals fall to one and six. They're probably going to have a top pick in the draft. They're just not good. Starting quarterback has hurt, and their whole whole team is just kind of in shambles. So Seahawks take care of business as they should. Geno Smith throws for two hundred nineteen and two touchdowns. Jackson Smith in in Jigba has probably his best day as a pro since he's a rookie. He grabs four catches for 63 yards and a touchdown. Steelers get the win over the Rams 24-17. Kenny Pickett goes for 230 yards. Najee Harris has 53 yards and a touchdown. George Pickett has five catches for 107 yards. And also on the on the other side of the Rams, Puka Nakua continues to ball out. They, the rookie receiver from BYU has eight catches for 154 yards. But it's just not enough to get the job done against the Steelers. And the Rams fall to the Steelers 17-24. The Rams fall to 3-4. And, and the Pittsburgh Steelers improve to 4-2. and two. Broncos finally get a dub. They win over the Green Bay Backers 19-17. to The offense fi- finally mustered up enough enough points to get the win. Uh the, the their defense for the most part has been has been pretty I'd say pretty pretty decent, especially over these last few games because they they held the, the the Chiefs to under 20 points when they played the Chiefs, they held the Green Bay Packers to under 20 points. It's just the offense has got to get going for them to win. If if the offense could score in the mid 20s, the Denver Broncos would have a much better record than what they have right now. But Denver Broncos get the win over the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers 19 17. And probably the most anticipated matchup from week seven. The Philadelphia Eagles get the win over the Miami Dolphins 31 to 17. Tua goes for 216, one touchdown, one pick. Tyreek Hill still balling out. He's he is, in my opinion, the best the best receiver in the NFL right now. Eleven catches, eighty-eight yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Hurts goes for two hundred and seventy-nine yards and two touchdowns, one pick. AJ Brown absolutely goes off in this game for ten, for ten catches, one hundred and thirty-seven yards, and a touchdown. So you have two of the you have you have one of the best teams in the NFC playing one of the best teams in, in the AFC, and the Philadelphia Eagles get the better of the of the Miami Dolphins. Thirty-one. 17. And probably the most surprising upset of the week, you have the Minnesota Vikings getting the win over the San Francisco 49ers. Kirk Cousins throws for 378 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Jordan Addison, in the absence of Justin Jefferson, the first round pick rookie, has absolutely torch the San Francisco 49ers in this game for seven catches, 123 yards and two touchdowns. Have a day, Rook. Have a day, man. And then on the other side Brock Purdy goes for 270, 272 yards, one touchdown, two picks. That's the biggest difference in this game and why the the 49ers lost is because they they turned the ball over more than the Minnesota Vikings did and the Vikings the Vikings defense was just really good. Anytime you can hold a an NFL offense to under 20 points in a game, especially an offense of that caliber, that that is a that is a great day for the defense. So shout out to for, to the Minnesota defense for holding the 49ers to under 20 points and shout out to Kirk Cousins for getting the job done against probably one of the best, if not the best team that that. They'll see if not one of the best teams that they will see all year. And and this is what's just frustrating as a Vikings fan. When, like, when you go and you beat a team like the, the San Francisco 49ers, you look back at those other games and like, well, what the heck is going on? We know that we can compete against the best, but why can't we consistently stack those wins? And that is it for the week seven recap of the NFL. Thank you. So much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Wasn't able to put out an episode last week, so sorry. But I'm back this week, like I never left. And please tell everyone you know about that one sports podcast to give us a listen. Again, I will also be trying to put out a bonus episode next week. All things Mizzou, talking about the the football, the rest of Mizzou's football season, and also previewing. The basketball season for Mizzou. And man, guys, I really do appreciate it. Those that listen, please tell everyone you know to give us a listen. Give us a try. Hey, and if please don't forget to follow us on that one sports podcast on Facebook and Instagram. So if you have any questions or you have any topics that you would like that you would like to be talked about, please. Throw it, throw it in the comments or on the post on social media, and we will talk about it, and we will get it done. So, guys, remember, have a safe and happy Halloween. And remember, be kind, because everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you have absolutely no idea about. Until next time, fam. Peace!